Hey everybody, welcome to the Sermon Extra for Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. We looked at this Sunday evening, how Paul instructs Titus to tell the church uh, about a way of life that accords or fits with sound doctrine, that not only is there something we ought to believe as Christians, but there is also a way for us to behave. And we looked at how he gives these distinct directions to different groups in the church, because our needs are different, our trials and temptations are different. And so we looked at how he addresses older men and older women, and then younger women, and looked at a lot of specifics in there. And uh, because that was all pretty much on the surface, there's not too much that I want to go into on it. Uh, but there was just one sort of aspect on my mind that I wanted to dive into today. And that was when we looked at the idea of where the young women are instructed to be workers at home or busy at home. And we discussed how some translations say homemakers, and that verse is often used to say that a woman should be primarily in the home, working in the home. But we looked that at how that command is not primarily about the location, but about the labor. It's, an, it's the idea of not being idle, of not going about, as we're told in 1 Timothy 5, from house to house as an idler, a gossip, and a busybody but uh, that the godly women are to be busy about good things, busy about seeking the good of their household, the good of their family. And part of the other reason for that is that um, historically, until very recently, the home was the center of economic activity. Uh, there wasn't really, except in the case of merchants, there wasn't really jobs outside the home and so the home was not seen as primarily a source of domestic bliss and then work happened outside. The home throughout history has always been a center of economic production. As in uh, agrarian societies, all before the Industrial Revolution, it was a, generally a whole family affair. The entire family was seen as one economic unit. And so what I want to talk about going a bit deeper into this is just this idea of household solidarity in mission and how husbands and wives can see themselves um, as on the same team, pulling in the same direction, together working for the flourishing of the home, and how to then segregate and delegate responsibilities in a way that is appropriate to their life and not just dictated by culture. That's kind of what I want to look at. So, historically, as we said, the household has been seen as an economic unit. Uh, it's not been a one person does the work and the other person does the homemaking. Uh, that's a very modern concept. And I want us to see right at the beginning God's plan for the home in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, where we're told, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is often called the dominion mandate. And note that this is given to both man and woman, man and woman together. They're both given this call to fruitful multiplication, uh, having dominion over the earth. If we were to summarize this role in uh, this mandate, which is often called the cultural or dominion mandate, we could think of it as procreation and cultivation. That man and woman together are to bring forth a godly seed to serve the Lord on this earth and to take the resources of creation and cultivate it and rule over it in such a way that it 
causes there to be a flourishing community. This is the essence of loving our neighbors, is we love our neighbors and our callings by working to cultivate resources in ways that help people. And man and woman together are to procreate, to fill the earth, and to cultivate it together. Both are equally responsible for a fruitful life, for a fruitful household. And the two areas that a household serves to further in this world are by adding more people and by working for the good of society. And so a husband and wife is primarily a team. They're to be equally yoked. That's that picture of oxen pulling a yoke together, working together, plowing together, going on God's mission together. But in this, we understand that God created men and women differently, gave them complementary strengths, complementary giftings, and has made each of us different, even uh, man-to-man, woman-to-woman. And so it makes sense that just as in businesses you gain economic advantage through division of labor, wherein people are able to specialize in areas and devote more time and energy to it, so you have in the household. And we see a hint of this even in the curse right in Genesis 3, how man is cursed to toil from the ground and to now gain cultivation in this earth through the sweat of his brow, whereas the woman's curse was to have pain in childbearing. And this points to the distinctive that um, God made man on the whole stronger than women physically. And on average, men have about twice the upper body strength of women. And so it makes sense that that strength, especially in an agrarian society, was eminently useful for dealing with thorns and thistles, for tilling the earth. And the women, obviously, are the only ones that can bear children and can nurse children, especially before modern technology. So we see in these giftings, there is going to be a bit of a focus, a bit of a differentiation, how the women have a particular responsibility to the procreation side of the equation, the men to the cultivation side. But, as we saw in the Dominion Mandate, neither is exempt from these callings. And so we err when we totally bifurcate these into, this is purely the man's calling of cultivation, purely the woman's calling of procreation. And so if we just look at, say, the parenting side, it is a great mistake when men leave the parenting only to the women. All throughout scripture, parenting is a two-person team. Uh, Raising a child is so hard, it's fraught with such difficulties that God entrusted it to a team of two. Uh, It takes two adults, really. And um, yes, there are situations where single parents can raise wonderful children, but it's difficult. And in God's ideal world, um, it's meant to be done by a team of two. Not to mention, you know, the extra help from grandparents, aunts and uncles, siblings, what have you. But we see fathers expressly called all throughout the scriptures to teach and train and discipline their children. Explicitly in Ephesians 6, how fathers are to raise up their children in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. Often fathers leave it to the mothers to do the devotions with the children, to teach them the Bible stories. No, there's a specific call for fathers there. And throughout the Proverbs, which are, you could really think of them as instructions for young children, um, or older children, uh, father and mother are addressed throughout it at different times. Sometimes it says, uh, my son, listen to the instruction of your mother. Sometimes it says, my son, heed the teaching of your father. 
And there's an assumption that both father and mother are significantly employed in seeking to see their children walk in the fear of the Lord, to learn a life of wisdom. And so both bear uh, equal responsibility in ensuring that their children are flourishing and working to their good. And again, God fits different skills. Um, on a whole, women have a, have a nurturing side that is helpful at encouraging and supporting children in struggles. And often men have a, um, a strong forthright side to call forth uh, great things in their children and to encourage them and to really motivate them. And it's different in different personality types, but all that to say, children need both of their parents sewing into their lives wherever possible. And it's not something that men should ever um, slough off as just something for their wives to do, or vice versa, which could also be the case. Um, even if you're in a home where the father leads family worship consistently, that doesn't mean the mother has no role to play in teaching the children in the faith. So that's double responsibility on the procreation side. If we look at the cultivation side, this is also something that is in the dominion mandate given to the women as well as to the men. And that is that all throughout scripture, again, just as men are involved in parenting, women are involved in economic production. There is no picture of women who are not involved in economic production other than perhaps queens or royalty. Um, the economic productivity of women is always assumed because, as we said earlier, Households are seen as economic units. After all, you know, we're Presbyterians. We understand that God deals with households as households. There's a household religion. And um, in that same way, there's a household economy. There's um, resources coming into the home, resources being deployed in the home for the good of the home. And so perhaps a way to think of it is like this. And again, we can see division of labor here coming into effect. Um, a home as an economic unit, just like a business, it has uh, income and expenses, revenues, and then deployment of those revenues on, on resources. So there's an income side, what comes into the home, and then there's an expense side, what is spent, uh, which is really how do we move the resource of money to and, and trade it for something that we think is more valuable to our home than the money. We are spending the resource of money to gain something that we think is more valuable than the money. That is um, resource deployment or allo allocation. And husband and wife are a team. In They can be a team in both of these. These are under their purview and responsibility. Now, in a uh, American traditional sense, if you think of back to the 90, 1950s, it was usually such that the husband had sole responsibility for the income side and the woman had sole responsibility for the expense side. So the husband brought in the money, the woman spent the money. Uh, that was kind of the way it's gone. And um, we, we need to recognize that uh, it is just as much of a job and it's just as important to have wise resource deployment as there is income. And so... If a woman is spending much of her time in wise ex resource expenditure, that's actually a great economic benefit to the family. Uh, here's what I mean. Maybe an example here. So if your family um, went out to a restaurant to eat every night, you know that would cost quite a lot of money. But if someone can deploy those resources 
in a way to create meals for the family at one-tenth of the cost of restaurants, your family has, it were, saved however many thousands of dollars a year that would be. So there is an ability to save money by making decisions on how to deploy resources in a better way, finding deals, um, bartering, whatever, looking for ways to deploy those more resources more efficiently. You know, if you can buy 100 potatoes for $11, but you buy six potatoes for $10, um, one of those is a much more efficient use of resources. And why is this important? Well, saving money is actually better than making more money. Because you have to think of taxes. And I know this is probably sounding like an economics lesson. Um, economics, or not economics, but business was my major. I used to be an accountant, so I, I kind of often think these ways. So bear with me. But um, if you say earn more money in a year, you're like, okay, our family's going to do better by making more money. If you make, say, $1,400 a year more, after taxes, your family only benefits, say, $1,000. So it's like you actually only were ahead, $1,000, not $1,400. Whereas if you save $1,400 by not spending it on other things, your net benefit is $1,400, not $1,000. So that is to say, if all things being equal, it's better to save $1,400 rather than make an extra $1,400 because taxes eat out of that. So it is no little job to wisely spend the family's resources. It is no little thing to be careful on resource expenditures because that actually has a greater economic benefit to the family than making money does. Uh, interesting, the, the more you know. Okay, continuing on. Households take in resources, and all this is for why, why is there working done to help the family? And um, this is for the flourishing of the household, to deploy resources in a way that support the family, whether that's through just food and shelter or through extracurricular activities that we think will benefit the home or vacations that we think will benefit the home. Um, these are all important decisions. But, and here's where we come back to 1950s America, there is no um, clear biblical prescription for how the duties in the home ought to be segregated. There's nothing that makes us think that the income-generating side is only for a man and the expenditure side is only for the woman. How you split up, um, whether both are making income and both expending, or one making income and one expending, or one making income and both expending, whatever the case may be, that's a household discussion about how do you deploy your unique giftings as a husband and wife? How do you deploy those for the good of the home. And so we differentiate according to our giftings, all for the goal of seeing a home that is filled with love and joy and peace. So you have to, in wisdom, look at yourselves, your giftings, your opportunities, your callings, and see how can we manage our home as a team, the elements of procreation and cultivation, our children and resources, how can we deal all of this in a way that makes us all flourish? In a way that has um, a wife and mother flourishing, a husband and father flourishing, the children flourishing. How can we do all these things in a way that honors God and conduces to the good 
of the home. This is going to involve, um, and so actually, side note quick, um, even how we said in Genesis 3, things are differentiated according to natural giftings, right? Men with strength can till the field better. Women um, can give birth and nurse better. Um, Modern technologies have really set us in an unprecedented stage, whereas um, the minority of jobs now require physical strength. Most jobs require, require mental strength and are, can equally be done by a man or a woman. Even in parenting, there's, um, there's a real sense in which um, even the most essential task of women in the past in nursing children, there's ways that people even do that without needing um, a mother around. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but just there's new options available to people now that put us in a different state than we've ever been before. So in a sense, it feels as if there's more um, options ahead of us than ever before for how to wisely use our gifts and to pursue our callings in ways that benefit our families. And uh, I want to not give any prescriptions here of any clear lines of what's right or wrong. Uh, You have to see what does the Bible call you to as men and women. I've tried to give some overarching guidelines, but my point in this is not to give all the directions on what can men do, what women should do, should a, is it right for a man to be a stay-at-home dad or whatever. I just wanted you to see that the Bible gives a picture of men and women as a team in the home, together working for the good of the home, together responsible, both for the parenting side of the equation and the resource cultivation and use side of the equation. And so it's not two individuals who just happen to live in the same house. It's a team working together, pulling together, communicating. Um, communication is essential. And you have to be intentional and deliberate to, um, to dream together, to plan together, to, sing, to think what will most conduce to our home flourishing in Christ. How do we need to order our lives wisely? What should we be pursuing in the future for us? How should we be spending our resources? How and who should be bringing in income? How should the children be being educated and raised and trained and discipled in the things of God? And how can we together both do our part in order to see God glorified in a home filled with joyful sacrifice and loving service to one another? And so... Let us focus on the good of our homes. Let's seek the Lord in it and seek to be faithful in her, his callings to us. Use our giftings and husbands and wives encourage each other. See that each other is using their energy well, not being overspent. You're there to support each other, to comfort each other, to care for each other, to sharpen each other. And so make sure you're maintaining that relationship at the center. And before I start getting sidetracked and start talking about marriage, um, I think I'll leave it there. And... Um, I I hope I haven't given too much direction, but some thoughts to consider on uh, the flourishing of the home. So until next time, this is the Sermon Extra.